Dina Herrick, produce editor with Apatra, here again with another Hip of the Iceberg podcast. In this episode, I talk with Sean Sundberg, John Deere Business Integration Manager, about John Deere's Vineyard of the Future project and how it will benefit other specialty crop growers. Thanks for joining me, Sean. Christina, this uh, thank you, number one. Uh, number two, this is a great opportunity. It's an area that I'm passionate about when we talk how about your crops in, in the state of California and throughout the world. And it's a really great opportunity to engage with uh, some progressive growers from on uh, John Deere's behalf. Awesome. Yeah, so let's get into it. So um, as, as I, I kind of briefed you ahead of time, um, the Packers focus is obviously fresh produce. I know when we're talking vineyards, we're, and especially vineyards in California, we're talking a lot about wine as well. Although I do feel like a lot of technology that's developed can impact other grape growers. So I see I see a relation plus technology has its way of trickling down to other produce crops. But let's talk about this. What does the vineyard of the future mean? So we we, uh, definitely can talk about that. I'm going to say that you're absolutely spot on with technology. You know, we're focused on uh, whether you're a grower with bedded crops, whether you're a grower with table grapes, raisins, citrus, you know, what have you, um, and, and now, uh, especially with the, vine, uh, with the vines and the, and the wine grapes, um, we aspire to bring solutions, technology-type solutions, that really can have an impact on, on the grower in terms of it can be yield, it can be quality of yield, it be can cost control, et cetera. But when we think uh, and came into contact with the Sonoma County wine growers, um, we went through a, it was more of an industry think tank session with Carissa Cruz and the Sonoma County group. And it really opened our eyes that there is a huge opportunity in the wine grape grower space to bring technology that's going to allow them to do things better. And it, they, they did a wonderful job really surveying the growers. There's like 1800 different wine grape growers in Sonoma County. So there are a lot of different uh, family owned businesses and the stories that they told about, Hey, I'm a fifth generation farmer. And they referred themselves as farmers, not just wine grape growers. They are farmers. And we aspired to engage with John Deere to help us, whether it's on our sustainability goals, whether it's, Hey, I want to make sure that I'm here to, that my grandchildren will have this vineyard um, for their families and all that. So that's that's really what 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 engaged us to say there's an opportunity here that we can help. And I think the future the future is now, and those farmers are not I wouldn't say struggling, but they are they are they are looking for technology and embracing technology to help meet those goals. And I think what's interesting about talking to someone developing technology is, like you said, the, the future is now, but you're also thinking the future is 10 to 15 to 20 years down the road, too, which is why, like I said, I think it's such a fascinating thing. So, you know, talk about some of those those challenges that you kind of have to consider, calculate, and factor as you're developing this technology, what are some of those things you're thinking about, you know, even it moving into, like I said, 15 to 20 years out? Sure. Um, so one of them that, you know, and so I'll, I'll backtrack here. I, I think that when you, when you look at the technological evolution that's occurred in, in, in agriculture, I would say that where John Deere is based and where our, our, 
our bread is buttered, so to speak, in the Midwest with our corn and beans and our large growers. I think that the focal point of technology with those growers has already enabled them to go through this transition where I believe out here on California embedded crops, leafy veg, whatever it may be, that that's still um, something that's ongoing. And I'm going to say this, I think that the growers that I've interacted with are very open to utilization of the technology. They are under pressure, whether it's regulatory in terms of, hey, the, you know, the chemical that you need to spray to make sure that you protect your crop to um, regulations in terms of, of labor, uh, making sure that, uh, you know, whether it's housing, whether it's pay, what, whatever that may be, there's a lot of different pressures coming at them. And I think that you're going to see in particular, I think you're going to see a continuation in the movement. And this might be more vineyard focused or wine, you know, table grape toward utilization of electric. I do believe that that's something that um, is, is presenting opportunities. And I think that it's different in that space because in, at least in Sonoma County, where we're talking with Chris and that, in that group, the block sizes are a little bit smaller, the rows are a little bit narrower. So, you know, I think that you can actually get into that block and do the work that you need to do on a single charge potentially with the, with a battery and be that, that much more efficient, therefore meeting the, some of the sustainability goals that you have. So I think, I think that you're going to see an influx of that type of technology coming and, and Deere has announced that we intend to be there as well um, down the, down the road a little ways. I think you'll also see technology in terms of automation and also um, autonomy coming into this space. And it's not meant to at all to uh, eliminate jobs. And that's, that's where people get really protective right away is they hear that and like, uh oh, but it's really about taking the, the labor that we do have because there's a, you know, a significant gap and finding better jobs with better pay doing more, uh, a, a higher level type of work in educating and training and getting people into that. And then those jobs that are just not really the most fun jobs, having a machine possibly do that, that type of work. So I think you'll see that, but I think the, the biggest one that may be coming is the use of data and analytics to enable the growers to make better decisions. And there's data flying them all over the place. But let's say I can, if I could ever tell a grower or show a grower, hey, here's what you applied to this, this section of your vineyard. And here's what your yield was or the quality of that yield was versus here's what you did differently. And it didn't get the same, or it's a different type of soil, different type of sunlight, different type of irrigation. And here's what it was. So then you can re make real time decisions that are going to allow you to say, if I can do this here, I will get that there, and you're going to be that that much better um, better off as a as a operation in, in total. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's interesting. So obviously, um, I, I came from the green industry. I was well versed in John Deere equipment then, and I knew um, just the 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 relationship that you were building. I believe it's Cressel, right? Cressel battery. I like I, I knew. That that was just going to be something that was going to have a huge impact on all of John Deere equipment. So it's interesting to see that that's that's hitting obviously the ag side of things as well. Sure. And 
you know, as you alluded to, there are, there are some challenges to implementing electric equipment on large scale farms with really mm-hmm. huge blocks. But, you know, I see that technology becoming more and more advanced. But then the other interesting thing that you said was also that that whole taking away jobs thing, which it seems to be what, what everyone says with robotic mowers, right? That, oh, they're going to take away jobs. And that's obviously not going to be the case. You know, anyone that, that's in egg understands that labor is like the number one or number two issue. It seems to be the case in the green industry. It's like it's everywhere. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it is, I can see it being a knee-jerk reaction, but I also see, like you said, that automation is is such a necessity. Um and, and there are a lot of tasks that are easily repeatable and where this technology fits. And then, you know, I also love that you shared about data because I do think that's the other big thing that we're, we're going to continue to hear about is not just collecting data. It's like, what do you do with the data that you've collected and how is it actually useful to the farmer? Because, you know, if that data is just collected and sitting there and it, it, it doesn't become actionable data, then, you know, what is the point of collecting it in the first place? So... Kind of really interesting. Um, yeah, so this kind of sets us up for talking about some of the solutions and you know what you're able to talk about with that uh, vineyard of the future. So, so what kind of? I'll, I'll give you a second there, but what are what are some of the solutions that that John Deere is developing for this vineyard, or if we could even go to the the farm of the future? What are some of those sure. that you could talk about? So I'm, I'm just going to say thank you for recognizing the, the data angle because everybody can probably figure out, hey, we're going to supply data and data is king for sure. But it's really more about what do you, how do you simplify it? How do you aggregate it? How do you make recommendations based off of it that doesn't make the grower spend a day and a half trying to figure it out? Right. So that's that's the key thing. And that's one of the things that with the John Deere Operations Center that we we do quite well. In, in presenting it visually so that um, the growers can make make uh, heads or tails of, of the data that uh, that they are collecting. So in the in the case of the farm of the future with Sonoma County, um, we're starting with uh, it's a company that is now integrated into John Deere um, as a as a wholly owned subsidiary subsidiary called uh, SmartApply. And I don't know if you've heard of Smart Apply or not, but what it does is it smartly, intelligently applies chemical um, in a way that still gives you the efficacy of the chemical, still provides the protection that you need to get the yield that you want, the quality of the product that you want, but it really reduces the total amount of chemical being applied. uh, So it reduces the opportunity for drift, for overspray and that type of thing. So we do know whether it's almonds, whether it's pistachios, lettuce, citrus, wine grapes, whatever, you, you do have uh, to manage pest control and you have to manage disease. And one of the, the main things that you do is you, ha- is you do have to spray. So you go through the field many times throughout the year, making sure that, uh, that you take care of that. So I'll, I'll give you a for instance. So if let's say I'm applying, I'm just gonna reuse round terms, typically hundred gallons an acre of a of a of a chemical mixed with water, obviously, to protect my crop. What if I was able to sense the foliage and the density of that foliage and only spray the, the that amount? I'm not spraying any air, and I'm only spraying the right amount for the density that I just detected. 
could I save a lot of money in chemical application at that point? Could it be better for the environment? Because I'm not over applying. I'm not getting drift. I'm actually reducing what I do while still getting the, the crop that I want off of, off of my vines. And the answer is yes. Uh, so you can do that and with Smart Apply. And we have seen and we do have case studies. And this is going to be one of the test engines that we have with the Sonoma County wine growers is to go out and run our, our, our setup on their current blast sprayer, air blast sprayer. So with, um, with this technology, so we can say, okay, on this, this field over here, you saved X amount of money because of the chemical cost reduction and you met your, helped meet your sustainability goals. While on this side, this is what it costs you to, to do the same. And oh, by the way, the yield, the quality is going to be the same on both. So we've seen savings north of 50%, sometimes up to 70% on chemical costs based on, you know, if it's younger trees or younger vines versus mature, you know, but it's real, it's real money. Um, but it, but I think that if you were to ask these growers, they're going to say, well, yeah, the money's great. It's great getting the same product and yield, but it really goes back to how am I taking, am I being a good steward of the land? Am I being a good steward of the environment? And that's exactly what this is helping them them do as well. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I truly believe no grower wants to, to just needlessly apply pesticides or whatever, apply whatever product, you know, if they don't have to. And, and so being able to target those sprays is fantastic. And then also what's kind of nice that I heard in there is you're using your apply using smart apply on existing sprayers. So they're not having to buy another piece of equipment, which is another big challenge. I know there are some smart sprayers out there, but it's like an additional cost. It's an additional piece of equipment. And, you know, there may be that application and integration into sprayers, maybe if they need to buy a new sprayer, but you know, it's nice to see that you're testing it on existing equipment yep. because I, I think that's, that's definitely a, a big battle there. Um, so let's talk about challenges and this, this can be more broad. This doesn't necessarily have to be the, the technology you're developing for the vineyard of the future or the farm of the future. But, you know, I see a lot of technology that's been created and obviously, you know, I was in the produce industry before my time at the green industry and the, you know, there's all sorts of robotic harvesters and things being developed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it all kind of seemed like it hit a spot and it was all kind of just either stopping or it's not moving forward. So, you know, I know there's challenges in implementing technology in the specialty crop industry. So, so what are some of those challenges and what are some of those barriers to, you know, getting this to become more broadly used and more broadly sure. adopted? So that's a, that's a great question because technology for technology's sake doesn't do you a whole lot unless you can get it to uh, the adoption rate um, and to get the implementation and usage rate to, to where you can really have a true, true impact. I would say if, if as you look at whether it's a startup company, whether it's a company that's been around for nearly 200 years like John Deere, I think we all share the same the same challenge is how do you present the solution in such a way that it's easily adaptable to the operation in, and even more so probably easy, easy to use and easy, easy to understand. I would also say that companies that have a that are grounded in a basis of agriculture and long-term experience have a leg up because they understand the growers' needs because they might actually be growers themselves or one time were. I think it's more challenging 
for a company, a startup that says, Hey, I've got this technology. I know it can have impact, but they can't, they, they don't know how to either integrate with the, with the grower or, or they don't have the credibility because they don't come from that basis of ag. So I think that, I think that that's a, a challenge. Now, obviously if you have, you know, the next golden nugget, so to speak, and it really truly works. Something you know, you'll, you'll figure it out and the grower will figure it out. But I think that that is a, that is a challenge. I think also when you look at technology, I mean, shoot, um, as things, new things are introduced, it, there's a lot of research and development that goes into uh, producing it and getting it ready to market, making it commercially uh, viable. Um, and it's not inexpensive, right? So if you're a grower, I'll just use Sonoma County wine growers. If I'm I'm getting X amount of money for my gallon of, or let's say ton of grapes, that doesn't necessarily go up any because I'm using technology. So is it something that can avoid, be a cost avoidance? Or is it something that if I integrate, I have to uh, pay a certain amount of money as a you know capital equipment cost and budget for that, and then make sure that I use it in such a way that the return is going to be there over the long term. What is it a three-year payout or a five-year payout, et cetera? So I think, and one of the the key things that John Deere is doing, and I'm really proud to see us really step out there and, and try this, is that as we bring new technology in, I think what we've aligned to is really trying to transform that that transaction or that business transaction to say, can we do it a different way where you can buy you know, and you can buy that like a base level product, but if you want to, if you're going to use this all the time, this technology all the time, then, then here's a, a charge, whether it's per hour, per acre, what have you, or if you're not, then you don't have to pay for that use. And so therefore it can, it kind of tailors it to what you specifically are going to do and probably also reduces that, 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 that acquisition price point to such a degree that it's easier to get into. And I think that's going to be the critical piece is, is really trying to make um, make it something not that they just believe in, but it's it's not so, so big of a hit to their budget that they can't do it. Yeah. Well, and you kind of alluded to within your response, just kind of another challenge that I think of with the specialty crops is, you know, I, when, when you were talking, I thought about apples and I thought about writing about apples. I've written about apples for years and everyone grows just a little differently. The row spacing sure. might be slightly differently. The tree spacing might be differently. You know, there's there's some V trellis. And so there's all these different growing structures. And yes, some some specialty crops are a little bit more consistent in, in their formatting and, and the way that they're grown than others. But if you're trying to develop a solution that maybe hits some of these um, nuanced specialty crops, you know, that just adds a whole nother monkey wrench into it because you have to be able to create something that is a little bit more uniform for for all of the the crops. So I... I, I can see it. it's not an easy job. Obviously, you know, you alluded to, to John Deere has a lot of experience in precision ag for, I, I don't know, is it 20, 30, 40 years now? It's probably even more than that, you know. It's over 20 for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, because yeah. when I was right, you know, my first go around in the in the produce industry, you know, it had already been, precision ag had been something that had been established and had been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you've got you've got yes, they're in different crops, but you already have some of that experience to kind of help you inform, 
you know, how you tailor that to other crops. But, yeah. you know, this is just development and, and challenges are always fascinating to me because, you know, you're working with Mother Nature. Like I said, you're working with different crop size, different growers, different business structures. Mm -hmm. There's just a lot to it a that lot. makes things. Yep. Um, now, whether you could talk, hey, I, I, I grow carrots or broccoli, yep. <laughs> raspberries, blueberries, apples, you know, it's all kinds of stuff. So you, you almost have to, to pick really where the most bang for your buck is yeah. that you can bring impact that then once you get it integrated, then you can say, here's the adjacencies that, you know, through modifications or minor development work, you, then you can go have impact there too. But you, you really have to, if you don't narrow it down, it becomes so broad and diluted, yeah. it's hard to do anything. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, you've kind of hit a lot of my questions just in your answers for um, other responses. So, you know, I think at this point, I just kind of wanted to leave leave you with one last question about like, what are some things I'm not asking about that you think are, are I say readers, although I always say readers and it's, I'm like, this is the listener, it's usually podcast, <laughs> listeners slash viewers slash readers, like what, what should they know about the technology you're developing and like, how soon are we going to see it? You know, what are some things they need to know? So I think, um, some of the things that I would suggest are that that you're going to see technology um, and the advancements of technology come probably at you faster than what you might be prepared for and, and be at a very rapid pace. And I would and it's and it's not all that different if you're a, a packing house for a stone fruit or whatnot. Yeah. You have a lot of technology coming to make that that work and that operation easier, too. So you, you have to pick something that is going to really work for you as a grower and that you can embrace. You have the the capability and the capacity uh, to understand how to make it work and benefit for your your organization. I think that um, I would I would say. Be I wouldn't say be cautious, but just do your due diligence as you as you go through it. And, and because not all. Not all products, not all technology is going to be be the same. So you need to make sure that it that it's going to be something that that works for you. I would say from John Deere's perspective, um, for your 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 people that are listening today, a lot of people and I and I live in California, so I'm I'm here. I'm right in the Central Valley. A lot of people think that John Deere only cares about it if you're growing soybeans or corn or your Midwestern base, and that that couldn't be further from the truth. Because I think that a lot of the technology, a lot of the partnerships, a lot of the things that we're doing organizationally, we're actually doing here for the for the high value crop grower. And that's how important it is to us because we feel that that's where the most impact that we can have in the industry today is right, right here. And I've been all over the world and I have yet to see any type of valley or state that rivals California, the diversity of the crops and everything that we grow here. And it's just, it always amazes me to drive up and down the 99 and see, see what all there is to see. And, um, and I'm proud to be a part of it. And I'm proud that John Deere is here uh, focusing on this business and working and bringing the technology in whatever shape that may, that may be. And also the data uh, to the growers so that they're here meeting their goals, whether that's being a fifth generation farmer, a startup farmer, or just somebody that wants to do it and make sure that their kids can grow up in that environment too. Yeah. 
And, you know, that as as you were giving your answer, I realized I, I should have asked for advice on implementation. So you did a fantastic job of including maybe not implementation, but that that doing your homework part, which I think is such a critical part with technology, is just seeing what's going to fit, having conversations, start doing your research and and kind of understanding that part before you, you jump. Um, I, I have a, a funny story. I won't name names, but I was in an orchard in Traverse City. And a grower had purchased a, a mechanical pruner. Okay. And was asking for very specifics from another grower on how to prune it, how to do it, and how to. And and the the grower that that was asking the questions finally heard, you know, the the the, the grower giving advice, just saying like, "Listen, you know, you got to do some more homework." Well, here this grower had bought a mechanical pruner and had not figured out how it was going to work in his orchard. Mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. trying to kind of almost reverse engineer it. And it just made me laugh because, uh, you know, I I think that happens sometimes. People get kind of, sure. um, they see the shiny object and they want the piece of technology. But really, you know, John Deere's building equipment for use. I mean, yes, I'm sure you'd love to have sales and just have piece of equipment, you know, the dollars. But you also are trying to find solutions that work and we'll help growers. So, you know, doing that due diligence ahead of time is such a critical part. Absolutely. So. And I'll, I'll just say this uh, one additional comment is ask for a demonstration. And if, and if the, the company is hesitant or can't or won't, um, that might be a point of decision for you. Because I think that what you said earlier is that there's so many different environments and crops and everything's kind of different. You could, you could think something's going to work for you all day long, get it in your orchard in it, and it might not. So make sure before you make that, that investment, that it's going to do what you want it to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has been an absolutely great conversation. Um, I, I thank you so much for, for joining me and for, for talking technology with me. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Anytime you want to talk high value crops in California or nationwide, I am totally free and open to do that. I'd love to. I'd love to have you back on at some point in time, you know, okay. maybe after you've done a trial this year, what you've learned, um, something like that, I think would be fantastic. Awesome. I can't wait. I just want to say a huge thanks again to Sean Sundberg. John Deere Business Integration Management for a great conversation about how technology is going to impact the specialty crop industry. And I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Don't forget, if you like what you hear, you can catch new episodes of Tip of the Iceberg on your favorite podcast platform like Google Play, Spotify, Apple, and more. And that's a wrap for this edition of Tip of the Iceberg, brought to you by the Packer and PMG Magazine. Join us again soon for more industry insights. Bye.